Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What time is it? Time for the weekly I fries on my pizza. The rabbit and tortilla Everybody, good morning and welcome to the weekly dish on My Talk 1071. I am Stephanie March and I'm here today with Ms. Molly Herman. Just barely. Barely here. <laughs> Lexi, happy to see you here. Happy to see you. <laughs> kind of wondered if you'd made it or you were going to make it. I mean, I kind of wondered if we'd all were going to make it this morning. It's a bit gnarly out there. It's gnarly. How was it earlier this morning, Lex? Was it tough? It was hard to get in here. I had to go over a big mountain of snow. But, <laughs> the berm? You know, yeah. yeah. It was a little sketchy on the roads. I got to tell you guys, it was uh, it's a it's a unique sort of weather out there right now. The weather is great. It's sunny. It's pretty. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. Uh, the roads are unique because of the simultaneous bumpiness and slipperiness. The snow is very slippery. <laughs> I would not be here without my pit crew. I just need to give a shout, shout out to the out pit to, crew to Keith and AJ, for the husband and the son. I got stuck on that berm. Yeah, headed out of my uh, my neighborhood, and they they shoveled and pushed me out <laughs> okay well done okay well those of us for our single kids <laughs> well you have a jeep so no that's more good. children i was gonna say my child is my jeep today and so that was like literally i passed so many people you guys the roads are really it's just slippery I, I, it is and it's like i always say the the roads are only as good as the worst driver right so uh, like they were like three or four people like sideways on different roads i've seen that means that they were just going too fast i would say that if you don't have four-wheel drive I mean, wait a couple hours. It's going to melt. It's going to melt, right? Lex, we're having like 36. Isn't that the... Yeah, it's supposed to be warmer. I know tomorrow is supposed to be the first 50 uh, degree okay. of the year. It'll be I gone guess. by tomorrow. So just so enjoy this the is, beauty today. This is, is just a pass. This is just a... This is an April Fool's As joke. Mother Nature. Yes. Yeah. Lex, if you can play that Prince song at some point today, <laughs> I think that's appropriate. <laughs> I did want to play some April Fool's jokes and I was like, eh. 
You know, actually, this is enough. Before I went to bed last night, I'm like, oh, good Lord. What is she going to do? I was going to pull some, but you know what? Good enough. I, I'm not. I think we, yeah, we had all the, I feel like the getting challenge here. we needed in getting in here. <laughs> you feel like enough of a fool just even getting here. So I thought that was good. I did write in uh, the feed this week. I outed my cheese game, which was a thing that, do you remember this? Do you remember me telling you about this a long, long time ago? Tell me more. So the cheese game is a thing in which um, you... It's it's kind of like a so when we were like kids going to the bars in the nineties, you know, okay. uh, the the girl pack and I we would like you know be you'd be out you'd be like cruising you know and like hanging out and meeting people if ever there was like some cheesy dude you know some like guy who was just like so pompous and full of himself we would find a way to slip a small square of cheese on his shoulder <laughs> so and it's out of your sight line you cannot see it. So, like, you're sitting there, and this guy's all like, wah, 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 and nurkin, flirkin, nurkin, and you're just sitting there, and you're like, finally, you're just like, all your toxic masculinity is just, you know, diffused, as I like to say, because cheese on your shoulder. you have cheese on your shoulder, dude. And so, and then that person, like, leaves and goes and talks to other girls, and they're like, um, do you know you have cheese on your shoulder? And then that's the victory moment. I have never heard that story, really? and I'm surprised we haven't deployed that yet. Yeah. <laughs> The hard thing, though, is that the minute that you start playing the cheese game, then you have to start doing the shoulder check yourself because, you know, everyone has moments where they should be cheesed. We're also not necessarily going to all of the places where there's cubes of cheese that we could do that with. It's not a cube, Miles. It's, oh, it's a, a slice, square. and you got to travel with it. Okay. I'm, I'm saying it's, it comes you, with you. This is your an, own situation. This is an intentional moment that I used to have okay. slices of cheese in my purse. So... Because that was the way that I wrote. You are a strange and complex woman, Listen, and I love you. the 90s were great. <laughs> and there was no cell phones to document. There were no cell phones! Oh, my God! There were no cell phones. What a wild and wonderful world. It wasn't it? Uh-huh. It was kind of yeah. really liberating. Yeah. If, we, if I said, hey, meet you at the bar, and you didn't show up, I had to find a phone to come to try to call you. Or figure out something Or else. just say, oh, Malls isn't coming. Yeah. <laughs> and so, move on. Yeah. I know. It was crazy. Um, I'd be there, though. You would be. I I feel that for you. Um, Okay, let's talk about the James Beard Awards quickly, because those kind of came out this week. Or the nominations, or the lack of nominations, really, for us. How do you feel about that? I was a bit surprised, actually, because we've had such strong contenders the last few years. And some of those contenders still here. And so to have not anyone from Minneapolis representing for Best Chef was a little bit of a surprise to me. Do you feel like that we were kind of locked out of the best chef Midwest category? Three of the three Wisconsin chefs got on the category. Do you feel like this is a moment that they're saying, well, it's kind of, I mean, we want a national category. We won the top national category last year with a being best new sure. restaurant. That's widely considered to be the best, the top category, like best picture at the Oscars. But so, I just wonder if they're like thinking, okay, it's time to shine a light on some of the other regions. They, does that happen in any other region except the Midwest? Are we be trying to be too nice about it? Well, <laughs> I think it might happen in other regions. We just don't pay attention to it. You know okay. what I mean? Like, let's be clear: anywhere where there's New York or California, those are there. That's a and Chicago; those are all separate things. Well, there's always somebody from NOLA. Yeah, is in there? The- I don't know. I don't pay attention to anybody but us. Seems no, I'm like. just kidding. But. I don't, you know what I mean? Like, I just think that we are, but we are uniquely kind of seen as a flyover region. I think we've got to stop that narrative. We are not. I'm not, I'm not saying it's true. I know. I just said that it's what we're seen as. But even just as a 
let, let's talk for a PR moment. Like, even as a PR perspective, I think we should just stop saying it. Even if it's true, just stop saying it. Pretend people don't see us the way that they see us. Okay, I like let's this mani- uh, Let's thought. manifest. Let's manifest what we want to be. Well, I always, I mean, that's actually why we are where we are, because we stopped paying attention to the coasts. In my mind, the reason that we have developed a very good and cool Midwest Northern cuisine is because we stopped trying to be California and New York. We decided that, wow, actually, you know what? We're the breadbasket of the country. We have amazing produce and we are we have incredible, you know, ingredients here and we have a lot of heritage. And so that is kind of what I think um, created our food scene. And then that's because we stopped saying like, well, we're going to go make exactly what they're doing on the coast. California cuisine does not translate year, year round. I mean, it just doesn't. And so I feel like. I feel like, yes, I feel like I agree with that. But I also think that there's um, it's part of like you can't help it. Right. Especially when let's be very clear about this. This is an award that we're coveting from um, an organization that's based in New York and has definitely a, you know, like it's got a feeling of things and of being a national thing. You can in my mind, if you're going to be doing a national award like that, that's that's always going to be the tough thing because then how many people who are voting are actually coming to here? I don't know. I don't know how they've reworked it. They've reworked it a lot. But it used to be in the past, in the old days, I got to be a beard voter for two years. Right. And during those years, I could vote on any restaurant in the country. Without going. Without going. So. Well, then the system is definitely flawed. Well, but it might. They, I know that they made a big effort to change it okay. within the last couple well, of years. So. I, would, I would love to know what that process is. I know. I don't know why they don't out the process they don't have to tell us who's doing what but no, i would love to like know how the, it's evaluated the transparency yeah. of it. that seems like why wouldn't they do that yeah but what you're saying is it seems like wisco is having a a, a cool kid moment and i gotta be honest i'm disapp- i'm bummed for our people but i'm also okay i it's it only benefits us if wisco also is elevated to if they're doing good work over there that they should be recognized and not outshone you know by for us. sure i just think that we, we have a so much top level talent here that yeah. not to have not one of them recognized was a I little mean, bit. I mean, one like, would oh. be nice. Yeah, yeah. But we did get also another national category, so that's good. With that's Sean true. McKenzie yep. being for outstanding that's pastry and baker, yep. that's a national category. That's pretty great. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm feeling like I, you know, I the the national awards are kind of interesting anyway. You know, I kind of feel like here or there. You know, well, and even bar, we didn't get anything on bar program. We never we? do. We never get, and yet we have one of the best bartenders in the country. That I mean, Jesse Pollock just won, true, or in the world, yeah, in the world, in the world, right? Well, and then Pip Hansen has been known to be absolutely. It has a very huge track record around the the world with good stuff. But yeah, I don't know. That's my point. I don't know who's. Uh, I don't know who's doing the picking. I don't know who's doing the judging. So well, let's have a call to arms for that. <laughs> Okay, we're going to take a quick break, you guys. When we come back, we are going to talk. uh, We have Mike German coming. We're going to call him. And he's got some. We're going to talk a little bit about food trucks. He's got a he's got some news to share. But I also want to talk about what's coming up this spring. Okay, we'll be right back. This is the Weekly Dish on My Talk 107.1. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Weekly Dish on My Talk 107.1. I'm Stephanie Hansen, And you are 74. (laughs) J-Bro Falls. That's as close as it's going to get you guys today. That's okay. I think we, you've we're, suffered we're enough. With the out there, yeah. You've suffered enough. All right. Uh, we have Mr. McDermott on the phone. Are you there, sir? Yes. How are you, lady? Good. How are you? Okay. You are the chef and master burgermeister at 328 Grill in South St. Paul Park, right? South St. Is that how we say it? South? Nope. No. St. Paul Park. St. Paul Park. Why can't I never get that right? 
I don't know. It happens all the time. Don't feel bad. I know. So, but you... It's, I mean, St. Paul Park is like right across the river. So, I mean, it's confusing. Yeah, I know. It's true. There's a lot of... There's just... But you're you're kind of on the other side of things, maybe, for lots of people who... Well, it doesn't help yeah, that West well, St. Paul I mean, is we're, really west We're slightly so. outside of the loop, so that's part of it. And we're... St. Paul Park is a small little town. It's a, it's, it, if you don't know it's there, you drive right past it. Yeah. No, it's true. Um, let's talk about... You have an event, or you... You had an event today. <laughs> yeah, we were supposed to, but Mother Nature clearly thought April Fools was a really funny day today. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about what you had going on and what your the news is. So we're trying to celebrate our second anniversary. So today is the two-year anniversary of 328 being open. Um, so we wanted to get together with a bunch of our friends and just have a cool burger bash. Um, so Angry Line Cook. Station number six, grillers and peppers and fries, we're all going to come out and do just a, a burger bash for a bunch of the burger lovers in the Twin Cities to come get a bunch of good burgers from different uh, different places in in one sitting. Yes. But there's... Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, we got like a foot of snow. Um, and actually, we're, we don't have power at 328 right now. So even if oh, we were able to open, wow. 328's not able to open. So we're still... We're still waiting for that to get itself figured out. Okay. But what we're going to do in the meantime is we're pushing the event back from 11 to 4 today to 4 to 9 tomorrow night. Okay. That sounds good. And it sounds like we're going to have a lot better weather. You're going to be able to have... Because you're going to have the trucks be parking in the back parking lot. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. So that's that's the point is that... So 4 to 9, what was going to be the Burger Bash today is now tomorrow from 4 to 9. And you guys are... What I love about it is like... So 328, you know, is sort of known for your creative burgers and these sort of takes that you sort of get very, you just have a lot of fun with the burger motif, you know? And I think it's really cool to invite other burger burger makers in and sort of play a little game of like, you know, what's new and what's cooking. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there, there are so many good burger places out there that people don't get to experience because, you know, they're, they might not be convenient for them to get to with, with, jobs and kids and families and everything so the the idea was to bring them all together so that a different community could experience them yeah the station six burger truck that's the one that i've been meaning to get to i like all last season i kept thinking i'll get there i'll get there and it's i think they're in north metro mostly aren't they don't they park up that way they're north and west yeah and so i hadn't just i just had missed it every time that i was like oh they're at a menards and i could but then it was like tomorrow's your chance. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, and just to be clear so that people know if they go looking for a 328 grill, you're located inside the American mm-hmm. Legion, correct? Correct. We are inside American True. Legion Post 98 in St. Paul Park. Cool. cool. And how has that partnership worked out? It's fantastic, honestly. Yeah. Um they needed somebody to take over the kitchen and to bring some consistency to to their legion we needed a place to be able to like do our own thing and for me to not have to work for somebody else anymore. Right. That's a really good thing. Win-win. Yeah. And yeah. so then, and, and you guys and, have been doing me, it. it's a low overhead, too, which is great. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of, and so you've been there for two years. And yep. who do you, how do you find that people are like, do you get people, you get people coming on pilgrimages, don't you? Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> we get, we get people that are driving um, easily from halfway across the metro. We, I hear from a handful of people that, that make a couple hour drive a couple times a year to come see us. Oh my gosh. That's incredible. I know. Okay, I'm going to ask you one more question. Do you feel that the burger scene in the Twin Cities is better than it's ever been, or do you feel like it's maybe kind of losing some steam? No, I don't think it's losing any steam. I think <laughs> there are more burger nerds out there than ever. 
Uh, I think there's more people that are passionate about burgers than ever. I think it's just going to continue to to grow. I was like, do burgers ever lose steam? But this I'm is the sure question. They Maybe they do. Out. I don't know. It's like, like burgers, burgers and pizzas. Like they're unstoppable. Like they you just keep finding cool new ways to do things, and, you, and you're going to be successful. Okay. Well, and off the burger train, you guys have a fish fry that's pretty popular. Yes. So you've got one more Friday yeah. of that before Easter. Or are you going to keep it going? Thank goodness, only one more Friday. <laughs> Has it been a, is that a hard thing to do fish fry all of a sudden? Uh, yeah, I mean, we've done a lot. We, I mean, we've done upwards of 375 people for, <clears throat> in a three hour period. Oh, wow. Good gracious. That's a lot. Yeah. So I like, we, as of, <clears throat> excuse me, as of yesterday, we surpassed 2000 fish fries served for the season. People are nuts about fish fry, man. They are. are nuts about fish fry. That's cool. All right, sir. Well, thank you so much for calling in. I'm so glad that you are that you are able to operate this tomorrow. Pivot, Pivot if you will. So the yeah. three again, one more time, just for anybody who's just tuned in, the 328 Burger Bash is moving from today to tomorrow. And you guys are just going to throw down some great burgers from 4 to 11. Is that what you said? Nine. Four to nine. Uh, no, from four to nine. Yep. Four to nine p.m. So five hours of hot burger time. All right. Thanks yeah. so much, sir. Have a great Thank one. You. Good luck with your power. You too. Okay, that's kind of crazy. There's hot burger time. Hot burger times. <laughs> they should trademark that. I, they should. <laughs> I'm giving that for free today. Um, I also want to call it the fact that obviously there's a lot of, um, you know, s- the snow is going to affect things today and affect. So check your your reservations and check your, you know, because people may not have sure. made it in. And definitely like what he said, there could be no power. Do we need to check our brunch right now? I know in, we probably the, should. We should text somebody and see if our brunch <laughs> is happening. Um, but I do think that there's also to be aware of the fact that, you know, there's flooding kind of on the horizon that people are worried about. And Stillwater is, uh, they were sandbagging and bringing, uh, bags down there and looking for volunteers to help. Um, but to be clear, the river hasn't like flooded the entire town. Yeah. And even then they're kind of for, they're kind of, you know, making a statement to call calm because the restaurants are still open and operating. It hasn't, it's not reaching the street. It's not like we're not into a like, yeah, it's flooding the banks or it's, it's very high. And if anything, it's going to hit the, hit the park, which is far enough away from main street that they're not too worried about it. So, you know, so don't don't detour Stillwater just because. Of yes, that. don't think that you can't. You have to wear rubber galoshes just to right. go to Stillwater. I think you're still fine if you want to go. I just went through Stillwater the other day and I ate at a place that I've heard about for years and years and years. First time that I've been in, Phil's Terra Hideaway. Oh, you did. That's Hanson's rave, man. Oh my gosh, she I loves that place. That love it. And yeah. I, we, uh, Jen, Luke, and I were yeah. out that way, and I was like, you know what? Let's just go here. And uh, it was good. It was t- it was packed on a Tuesday night. Yeah. And, you know, it was a good little slice of Americana. It's like a Greek steakhouse for those of you guys that ha- haven't aren't familiar with it. Yeah. And there since like 1929. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. No, I think we raved about it last week because Hanson went and did a thing on, out there. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. Okay. So she's so so you guys air. are like it's in the air. Yeah. You guys are double whammed on it. I love it. Um, I did want to take a moment to uh to mention that our dear friend Raghavan yes. Iyer, who has been battling cancer, has passed on into the great kitchen beyond, if you will. And he's um, and we're sad and we will miss him. But we wanted to make a call out and just shout out to his amazing uh, contribution to the food scene. Well, and he was just so um, such a beautiful soul. Yes. And I had the honor of working with him at Kitchen in the Market. He did some classes for us, but he also rented space from us when he started Turmeric Trail Spices. Yes. And 
just the joy that he got from creating those blends and it smelled so incredible. Yes. And people would stop and talk to him all the time and he always had time for everyone and just he will be greatly missed. He will be greatly missed. He is the author of 660 Curries. He did yeah. the potatoes that I can't think of what the potato book was so great. But he, you guys, was one of those people I learned a lot from him. Like, just the mm-hmm. fact that I, you know, just being in his presence and he was such a teacher. Always teaching. Always a teacher. Yeah. And that was he. I will forever hold the lesson that, you know, spicy does not mean hot. hot. It means full of Spice, yes. which is not the same as hot. And he and he brought all the spice. To he life. brought all the spice. And he was he really was a, a man who in, in the Midwest decided to live his true life and be authentic and mm-hmm. show us a, a better way to to live, quite honestly. Absolutely. And so here's a shout out to Raghavan Ayer. And the um, New York Times did a great piece on him just recently with him mm-hmm. in his final days. And that's a great one. I'll put a link up to that on the show page. And um but I think, you know, make some curry tonight or something. Good idea. That's a great one. All right, you guys, we're going to be take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to talk to M. Castle, who is the editor at Racket. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Weekly Dish on this wonderful April Fool's Day, and uh, which spring has decided to trick us on. Um, we are so happy to have M. Castle on the line. Are you there, M? I am. Hi. Uh, welcome to the show, you guys. I'm so excited to have Em on. Em is the co-founder and editor at Racket, Racket.com, which is um, RacketMN.com, just to be clear. That's the address. Um, and you are, and I, I wanted to have you on today. You and I were on NPR just like last week or two weeks ago talking about yeah, very recently. cool travel things. But and you and I have known each other for a long time just because when you first came to the Twin Cities, you were, you were brought in by City Pages to be the food person. Isn't that right? Yeah, that's right. That was, oh gosh, it feels like forever. Does that it? Was point, but yes. I remember when it was like the new girl's in town. She's the new girl. And you were like at the state fair and like owning it. It was amazing. Oh my gosh. My actual first like experience in Minnesota, like the second day I was here was going to the state fair. It was oh incredible. my goodness. I'm, you guys, baptism by fire. Baptism by fire is for sure. Truly. I know. But you have, uh, so you and I used to run in, into each other at different food things and such. And you went from being the food person to being the first female editor in chief at uh, City Pages. Isn't that right? Yeah. Before the they first and last and last. <laughs> <laughs> well, no one could top it. Anne. Right. You kind of <laughs> took it out on a high then, you know, it's so true. <laughs> I love that. But but more importantly, so now you have founded you and three others who are former City Pages alum have founded uh, a website called Racket MN, a kind of an alt weekly and alt daily. It's now it's a website, so it can just be alt, I guess. I don't know. How do we want to describe what Racket is? <laughs> Yeah, I think that's a really good way to put it. When we were explaining to people what we were doing as we were getting it off the ground, we were kind of like, what if an alt-weekly spirit, but it was just online and it was every day. Yeah, and it is. And it's kind of, it's really a great, you know, I mean, you guys all know I'm like my whole mainstream media personhood is like, I just want to make sure that we all have a very rich media landscape. And I so I really appreciate 
the way that you guys report on things and the things you choose to talk about. But today we wanted to talk about, you put up a thing about how has COVID changed the Twin Cities restaurants and that we're still finding out. And I thought about it and it's like year three, obviously. We've hit three Mm -hmm. years gone. And I kind of really love the way that you took a look at this. Tell me a little bit about what you, like how, how, what did you come up with as far as this, what this article gave to you? Yeah, well, I think anyone who dines out a lot, as we all do on this chat, um, you've noticed um, a lot of changes as a diner. Like, prices are way higher. It seems like hours are shorter. I know a lot of my friends are kind of bummed out that it seems like happy hours are just not as common or as generous as they used to be. Um, And so I wanted to talk to people who work in restaurants, who own restaurants, and who go to restaurants a lot about what are some of the changes on their end? Like everyone is kind of experiencing this new dining landscape. It's not like it's radically different than it was before the pandemic, but there are, I think, a lot of noticeable shifts and we're still seeing how this is playing out for people. Yeah, yeah. And it feels like more um, the hours and what's being served is more conducive to the the restaurant which and what they're able to do and not trying to meet every customer's every need yeah definitely i think that is a huge thing yeah (laughs) everyone's trying to get back to a place of being comfortable and just feeling stable still i think like three years is not a huge amount of time it's really i mean when you consider taking an industry down to zero i mean honestly it was Mm -hmm. really down to zero and then trying to say okay now you have to wiggle your way back you know, that's a tough place to go. Well, and I think just have, really being is. in the industry at Malcolm Yards, the traffic, and we opened during the pandemic, we opened in August of 21. Um, traffic patterns are still odd. Yeah. Like there, there, there's no, we haven't gone back to normal traffic patterns if you talk to any restaurateur, I think. Do you agree with that, Em? Absolutely. That is a huge one. And that's something I heard from literally every person in the industry I talked to for this story. Everyone's like, you know, our numbers are better. We're doing more than we were two years ago, one year ago, but it's still not at that pre-pandemic place. And it just seems like people have different priorities. Um, It's really tough to say if it's more fast casual, if it's more dining at home, but it definitely seems from the restaurateurs I talk to, like it's less eating out. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. There are people who would say that they were there. Some of the pro eaters, you know, who are like, we go out four times a week. And I remember talking to someone even a couple months ago and they were saying during the holiday season, it felt, you know, even then it was a little bit like they would go to their favorite place and be like, we can find seats pretty easily to some of these places because it feels yeah. like unlike a Tuesday, people aren't going out, you know? Well, I think absolutely. Too- go ahead, Em. I'm sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, I mean, we know that prices have gone up even just from the perspective of the cost of goods have gone up yeah. for restaurateurs. But when I speak of traffic patterns, too, it's like when we thought we would be slow, we were busy. When we thought we'd be busy, we were slow. Like it's there's things that have flipped that are hard for restaurateurs, I think, to sort of plan for and wrap their head around. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And it's tough, too. People are still struggling to hire back a lot of the folks who left during the pandemic. People kind of fled the industry for a lot of very valid reasons, um, and they just haven't come back. So as a, someone who runs a restaurant, you're like, I don't quite have the staff to handle these weird rushes. That's <laughs> I don't the have number one thing, people. I think. Yeah. And you found a person, I didn't know this, that there were still, you know, I mean, it's very rare to find businesses that are still asking people to mask. 
And talk a little bit about what that person talked about their struggles with that sort of that feeling. Yeah, this was um, a woman named Kat who runs a coffee shop in South Minneapolis called Duck Duck Coffee. And I go there from time to time. It's fairly close to my house. And still, up until the last week, they have had a sign on the door that is, like, masks required. Uh, they have a thing on their website that's like, I know, we suck, I'm sorry. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but they they actually recently shifted that language to be masks, like, strongly recommended. Right. Um, because I think they just feel like, you know, people aren't expecting it at this point. They don't think there will be a mask requirement when they go out. And she doesn't want her staff to be in a place of having to, like reprimand or (laughs) confront people about this because, you know, people have kind of put it behind them. It's not when you're not expecting to have to wear a mask. I think it comes up as like a very surprising thing to people. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, in fact, I did a, uh, I mean, I've been going to like doctor's offices and things for family members and it was like having to put on a mask. I was like, oh, yeah, I have to go find one. Like, that's the other thing is like and I know that like for small businesses, I bet it's not easy for them to then have to almost if you're going to ask to have you wear a mask, you almost have to provide it. And that's a whole nother expense, too. Right. Right. And then you're worried about the environmental. I mean, they're just putting it on and throwing it away right there, too. It's like, you know, there's a little bit of that. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And I think she felt some guilt around that, too. She was like, I watch people put them on and then throw them out. And it's like, what was the point of this? I know. Yeah. And I had a quick question for you. Um, something that we've seen, you know, since the pandemic is this rise in service fees. And I'm curious. Yes. In your research, you know, and some people call it service fees, some call it service charge. And, you know, the language is very charged, uh, pun intended, um, <laughs> on these receipts. And, and I'm just curious what your research sort of came up with on that. Yeah, the servers that I talked to for the story, um, very mixed. A lot of people kind of uh, think that they are confusing for diners, that it adds like an, a complicated additional layer where now as a server you have to explain like this is a fee, it's not a tip, although it's kind of acting in lieu of a tip. Um, the restaurateurs are going to take it and distribute it to the staff, which kind of makes it like tip splitting, which is illegal in Minnesota, which is why you see this language on the bill that's like, this is not a gratuity, even though in practice it is kind of a gratuity. I personally am not a huge fan of them. I don't like, you know, I'm going to tip well when I go out. So it seems a little bit annoying to be like, okay, well, now I have this 20% charge or this 18% charge or this 15% charge. And it's like, what am I supposed to do on top of that? How do I navigate it? And I think for a lot of people, it's also just like blatantly confusing. It's like, Ugh. okay, so it's a 20% charge. Do I just not do anything? Am I still expected to do something? It's kind of messy. The whole thing of it being having saying it's not a tip, but then saying it's like, you know, we're it, when they say we're not tip, we're a non tipping place, but then they have a tip line. Has that, always been my issue. Yes. If you're if you're going to charge a service charge, then I think you shouldn't have a tip line because it is very confusing for the consumer. And I mean, I, mm-hmm. I'll speak very frankly. Malcolm Yards has a service charge, but we don't have uh, table service. Like it's not a place where you would tip anyway. But what it allows us to do is to pay a higher wage, hourly wage, to all of our staff. Right. Um, so it it is sort of this catch twenty two on what the consumer. Let me, like, go ahead. Let me ask you two, both of you two mm-hmm. have, let me, I want to know your opinion on whether you think that it would be better to have that language in this, this sort of construct, or would it be better to just have higher menu prices? And what do you think? I, 
I've heard from folks in restaurants who are like in- implementing these charges that if you pass the real cost of food and goods and everything onto the diner right now and just put it in menu prices that they would be like shocked like they wouldn't be able to handle how much it is but then at the end of that like if you're adding another 20 percent charge they're shocked by that too yeah so i don't know that there really is a good solution the answer is that everything is really expensive right now and that's just (laughs) a fact it is and i agree with that i mean if if you raise the menu prices it would cause a different kind of backlash yeah no i get it and i think that there's something to say too about when you have a the service charge like there is a place that i kind of famously get angry about that is a a 24% service charge and I was like and then there's a tip line and then for me I'm like so what's worse is that most people don't even they may not realize it and then you're tipping on top of the service charge oh I've had that happen to me before and And once I realized it like later like two hours later I'm like oh my okay but so in the Minnesota way that we all know each other my point with the menu prices versus that is that if I'm angry at home later, like at home later, I'm never coming back. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I get in that way. Don't you think our passive aggressive is like, well, forget them, you know, versus totally. if you're in the moment and you have a a chance to sort of process it. I don't know. Yeah. I do feel if you yeah, have a it, service fee, you should not have a tip line because confusion. Yeah. I don't know. And it impacts the way that you order. If I looked yes. at the prices on the menu and I said, this is what it's going to cost, I would adjust what I was getting appropriately. Yeah. Okay. And um, what is your prognosis as far as the restaurant world? I mean, if you're going to say, are we in a good spot? Are we getting better? Are things changing? Like what's, if you're going to give us like the high line of like positivity or trepidation, where are you going? I guess more positive than negative, but I don't think that anyone's feeling like super comfortable right now. <laughs> um, I think one thing that I kind of didn't really get into in the story was that, you know, PPP loans and yeah. restaurant revitalization fund money, those were able to buoy a lot of people through some of the tougher days of the pandemic, but those funds are gone now. And so there are restaurants who maybe relied on those and maybe got a, a fair amount of money that now are seeing like, a, that money is gone, and B, the cost for everything have gone up, which means like, uh-oh, I might have just prolonged the inevitable. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Okay, well, I'm so glad you did this story, and I'm really, thank you for coming on the radio and talking a little bit through with us today. And, um, you know, just like everybody, we're all going to keep our eye out and and kind of just keep watching and support the ones we can support and make sure that you guys always you go to where you want to stick stick around, right? Yeah, that's all you can do. That's all you can do. So you can find more of M's writing on racketmn.com. I'll put a link up to the story. Thanks for being here, Em. Thanks so much for having me. We'll be right back. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Weekly Dish on My Talk 1071. We are in the Ask Stephanie portion of the show. So give us a call, 651-641-1071. I do want to mention, make sure that you know, I mean, Molly is a trained chef. So, sorry, you're going to have to, if you have some Easter (laughs) cooking questions, uh, and of course, you know, I don't know if you know this, but she is gluten-free, and so she knows all the tricks, and, um, you know, I just, your resources are way beyond mine. Well, let's hope I don't get a question I can't answer now. Good grief. Well, you know, I mean, that's how it goes. Um, (laughs) Are you guys doing any Easter cooking? What are you doing for Easter? We are. We're going over to uh, Kelly and John's. Oh, you are? we're, We're doing crepes. Oh, you are! And we ordered some desserts from Diane Mua. Okay, She's having great. Her pop up. Yeah. Um, I was going to do dessert crepes since we're doing crepes, like savory sure. and sweet. And then I saw her menu, and 
we might have ordered more desserts than we have people. But that's okay. That's right, okay. Right. Yeah. I think we Kelly and I got a little crazy there. Like crepes, like what are you doing? Like are you doing savory crepes? Or are you yeah, doing savory crepes? So like I'm making a bunch of gluten free crepes and then we'll have like ham and spinach and gorgonzola and bechamel and you can do whatever you want. Mushrooms and yeah. That's a nice idea. Yeah. And then everybody can sort of Put in what they put want. in what they want. And then you heat them up again, or I mean, like, well, no, we'll make them. You'll like make alum, them live. All a minute. All a minute. Yeah, that's kind of neat. Um, I have. I haven't made crepes since uh, I don't have anyone in my house with me. Oh. Now that you know what I mean, like that would be a Sunday thing that I used to do, and then Jake would eat like hundred and seventy of them. Yeah, and then I would eat like four. <laughs> and that's not a bad thing. No, but now I just I don't even think about it. What anymore. are you doing for Easter? I don't Oh, I just, I honestly you want to come over to Kelly. And I mean, I might, crepes? I guess I might, <laughs> um, I have to kind of see what, you know, what my mom is up to and like what she's feeling. And then I got to see what the kids are all wanting to do. We, we were just talking about this last night, actually, that Easter has just never been this massive, important holiday for us. Sure. You know, it's kind of one of those ones that like, as far as like a feast goes, I mean, yes, I do love a crab cake and I'm thinking I want to make crab cakes, but I just, that's cause I want to eat them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of been my Easter Tradition of late. And do you make the uh, ocean air crab cake? I do. Is that what you do? I do. I make the ocean air lump crab cake, the little baseballs of crab. God, they're so good. (laughs) I did put that recipe on uh, the show page, uh, on the Facebook page, you guys, a couple weeks ago. So if you're looking for it, just search crab cake on our Facebook page and you'll find it. Um, But it is on what to cook for one, too. Um, But yeah, I don't know. Like hiding Easter eggs. We never, you know, it's like the hard part is that it's like, you know, the weather is always so suspect in Minnesota for Easter. That was a strange thing for us to get used to. I bet, because you came from the South, where it's yeah. always like a spring folly. Yeah, And you want to buy dresses for the kids. And, and you I know. will say, we always used to go out for Easter brunch. You did? Yeah, I don't... I mean, we had, like, family dinners for other holidays, but it feels like Easter, we usually went out to a brunch. Right. Okay. So 651-641-1071 if you want to call in and ask us questions or give us comments. Um, I do have to say, too, that like I kind of also have been you know, on this show railing against brunch because... <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not against brunch. Railing is a harsh word. You're right. It's not. I'm advocating for dinner more than for yes. brunch for the makers because... For me, the idea of waking up and then having to like get my faculties around me so that I can cook you a leisurely brunch. Right, right, right. <laughs> doesn't seem fair. Well, and see, I have like my, my husband and I think Kelly's husband, John, are in the same. They'd rather do early. So then you have like look an early evening. I get it. I get it that, that it's about getting out. It's about the rest <laughs> of your day. I get that too. But I'm just saying, um, you know. It kind of wants to. Uh, it kind of wants to be a little bit leisurely for me too, which is then like doing crab cakes is easy. Let me sure. just be clear about that. That's a mix that you can make the Ahead night before, too, yeah. and then you can sort of, or you know, you it's a, basically it's a throw together and then put them in the oven, and that's easy. Right. Um, and eggs are pretty easy, but I I would advocate for like I love a two o'clock holiday meal. Yeah. So then you're not like front loading or and then you can have leftovers yeah, I when agree you're with hungry. That. I like that, but not everybody is in that midday no. noshing period. No, this is true. Okay, we have Chris on the line. Okay. Chris, what's going on today? Hey, well I was just thinking I wanted to share something that's given our family a lot of joy oh, good. over the last few years. Do it. Um as far as far as Easter egg hiding for the children and you know, of course this all falls on mom, right? Right. So, from, like, middle school on, I would have the children hide eggs from each other. 
Oh. And so they'd each get a room and hide the eggs. And then, I mean, they're in their 20s now, and they love it. And the level of taunting. Oh, yeah. It is so much fun. I mean, there's nothing like Easter trash talking. My goodness. Right. And I don't have to do anything except sit back and watch. Great. Oh, my God. This is a hot tip. Like, if you have smaller kids, start it now. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, the Easter Bunny is the first house of cards to fall anyway. Oh, clearly. Yeah, so it's super fun for when they're little, and then they can't give it up. Well done. I like that. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate it. We did, once we had teenagers, we had them hide eggs for the younger kids in the the neighborhood. But we sort of fell out of that, too. I mean, well, the pandemic, I think, stopped a lot of that. And we never picked it back up. I mean, people are wondering about the the number of eggs that they can hide this year, given the price of eggs. Sure. That they're six bucks for a dozen, it feels like, still. I mean, they are a lot cheaper than they were. Yes. They, like, in January, I think that was, like, a high of, like, I think it was like nationally, the average was like seven or eight dollars. It was crazy. Yeah, I had never seen them that high. But you can get them now for like four. Yeah, I've, I've been seeing. Yeah, so some of them, at least local ones, have come down. Right, right. But I, it is fun because yeah, we used to do. Um, we used to do the. Uh, we used to have the thing where it was like we would um, hide a golden egg. You know what I mean? Like there'd yeah. be like one big prize egg, and one year. Um, <laughs> I think it was like you, like if you found that, then you got this giant chocolate bunny. And I think Matt, like, just like beat the little kids out and found it and then was like, where's my bunny? I'm like, no, dude, like you're 20. You can't have that. You know, I mean, like, I mean, he was like a teenager, you know, but like, and all the other little kids were like looking for it. And he was like, I'm like, no, dude, you're not going to, you don't get it. He should share. He was still angry with me. Like, he still brings it up. Like, I can't have bunnies in my house because he will bring it up and tell me. That seems like something else we need to work through. There's a lot there, of things maybe. we need to work through. Maybe. All right, you guys, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back in the second hour and we're going to talk pizza. we got some more Easter recipes and fun stuff. Stay tuned. This is Weekly Dish. My Talk 107.1. No fooling.